You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to walk through that in just a moment. I don't know about you, but I listen to podcasts quite regularly, and one of my favorite one is The World and Everything in It. It's my favorite place to get news from a semi-non-biased Christian worldview, and I love what they do. But I used to hate listening to that podcast during the month of December. Now, the reason I hate listening to it during the month of December is because every episode, the first two minutes, is about how I need to support them with my money. And it's like the first one's okay, the second one's okay, but like the third and the fourth, and then the 28th time they ask for me to support their podcast, I'm fed up, I'm furious, I'm angry. And what I assume is they just want my money. That's the whole podcast. They're just trying to get my money money. I don't know if you ever had an experience with that. Maybe your favorite radio station at the end of the year, it's like, hey, you need to support us because if you like to listen, you need support. And you're like, I don't want to support you. I just want to listen to you. Or you get that email. Like I got an email from the Gospel Coalition a couple days ago. It said I was going to get a free book. And I'm like, I love free stuff. Like how many of you love free stuff? Free stuff is awesome, right? So I'm like, yes, free stuff. That's great. All they wanted in my email, put my email, submit it, ready for this book. And you know what it came up to? A give page wanting me to donate money. And then I'm like, oh, now I know what this free book is about. You really just want my money. I don't know about you, but maybe at times at the end of our services, because at the end of every hardened service, you hear, hey, now is your opportunity to give. You can do so at hardenedbaptist.org slash give. You have that same thought. Oh, yeah, now I know what this church is about. They just want my money. That's why they do all this stuff. They just want my money. And you know, as I think about the world and everything in that podcast, think about the Gospel Coalition, all these different things that, yes, want my money. I started to think, well, why do they want my money? Well, because they have journalists who are going all over the world, living all over the world to report good news. And they have offices that they are writing stories in. They have computers, they have podcast equipment. They have a lot of overhead and a lot of expenses and a lot of salaries to bring me a free program that is not free. It actually costs a lot. The Gospel Coalition, it's an amazing resource with thousands of resources that I use all of the time. Well, guess what? All those resources cost money. The whole thing costs money. And they're not just trying to get my money. They have a mission to fulfill and the mission requires money. It's just part of the deal. So if you've been rolling your eyes at the end of every service thinking, oh yeah, they just want my money. Well, just the the truth is, um, yes, we do want you to invest in what God is doing, but it's not just because we want your money. It's because we have a church, have a mission and a vision that we believe God has given us, and guess what? The mission takes money. Like, the reason it's not eight degrees in here this morning is because we have a building, we have heat. Guess what? That doesn't magically happen. It actually costs money. We actually have a heat bill. Do you know your heat bill? Guess what? Ours is a little bit bigger than yours. We have a little bigger house. There's just some things that cost money, so when we ask you to give, 
we're not just wanting your money. We have a mission that God has given to us. Now, if it's your first time at Harden, you're like, yeah, I always heard church was about money. This is case number one. The guy's talking about money. Well, this is not all we talk about. This is actually a sermon in a series about who we are as a church. And we've talked about sort of that thing that staples us as a church is we are a sent people. We have that statement, we are sent. And there's five things that members and people that are committed to our church, we expect you would want to do. And those five things are to gather, connect, serve, give, and go. So we've already talked about gathering. We've already talked about serving. We've talked about connecting. Now we're going to talk about giving because we don't think giving, asking you to give, is a bad thing. We think it's a good thing because we believe God wants you to invest in the mission that he's given this local church and you personally for the sake of his name amongst the nations. So yeah, we're going to talk about money for a little bit this morning. And and what I want to do is I want to go to a place in Scripture where Paul talks about churches that are radically giving for the sake of the mission. And I want us to look at this as an example, seeing how they did it, and then ask how might we give to support the mission here at Harbin Baptist Church. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, the words will be on the screen. But we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7 as our key text this morning. So if you'd stand out of reverence for the word of God, we're going to read and then think about what God has to say to us. Verse 6 says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to live this out, that we would not be those who sow sparingly and reap sparingly, but we would sow bountifully and reap bountifully. God, I pray that each one of us will decide what giving looks like for us as we decide in our hearts, not because we have to, because we want to, and we really believe that you love a cheerful giver. We pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. You guys may be seated. So first of all, um, does the Bible even talk about money? I mean, why why are we even preaching about giving and money and all those things? Kind of a weird subject. Well, actually, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money. Actually, there's more verses about money than about faith and prayer combined. So there's a lot of money talk in the Bible, and God actually cares about our money and how we spend our money. In the Old Testament, it was pretty simple. There was a thing called a tithe. So if you're part of the people of Israel, you had to give a tithe. It was like taxes. You had to give it, and it supported the priest and the temples and the ministry and and all the things. You had to give 10% of what you had to um, the priest to distribute. So that was a tithe. It was a command, but most will see that there was actually like three different tithes, and so most of the Israelites would have given close to 20% of their income in a tithe. That was commanded. You had to do it. That'd make it easy. I could just say, hey, you have to do this, and we've already direct deposited out of your account. That'd be easy, but that's not how church today works. So the New Testament, there's no command necessarily, but the New Testament, it is a practice that the New Testament gave. And they didn't just give like 10%. Some of them gave everything they had. Some of them sold lands. They gave extravagantly to help others and to see the mission go forward. So we see the Old Testament was commanded. The New Testament was practiced. So I think we can say today it is expected 
that we as Christians who follow Jesus would be a giving people because we want to give for the sake of the nations. We want to give for the sake of his mission. So giving is an act of worship and to participate in God's mission. By giving, you, work, you love God and you love others and you help the gospel get to as many people as possible. So giving, let's think about giving just money for a second. See, some of us think money in itself is evil because we've heard verses like 1 Timothy 6.10, money is the root of all evil. How many of you heard that verse? A lot of us, right? That's actually not the verse. It's actually misquoted. A lot of people misquote that verse. It's not money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is a root of evil. That's a lot different. See, some of you got a whole lot of money and some of you got a little bit of money. Money is not good or bad. The way you use money can be good or it can be bad. That's why Jesus in Luke's gospel will say, hey, you can't serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. You can't serve both God and money. And it says the Pharisees, they love money and they ridicule Jesus. And so money, it can be a good tool, but it is a bad God. And we have a temptation to actually worship money as a God, as our protection, as our safety, as our power, as our control. If we got money, we've got life together. But money, we see it's amoral. It's not good or bad. It's how you use it. If you hoard it, then it can be bad. If you use it, it can be a very good thing. So it's a tool, good tool, but a very bad God. So let's think about giving in general as we look at this New Testament church and how they gave. So if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 8, verse 1. We're just going to walk through Paul. So he's talking to the Corinthians, and he's first going to talk about the Macedonian churches and how they gave. And he's going to use their giving as an example to them to start giving again. And we're going to see that in the text. The first thing we're going to learn is giving. It's actually God's grace. So notice in verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So notice here, he's talking about giving. He's talking about an offering that is going to help others. A church, they're taking up a collection. They're giving it away to people in need. And notice what Paul calls it. He calls it the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's been given. So we see this connection of your giving and the grace of God. In other words, when you give, you are participating in God's grace to other people. See, giving is not just like a thing I have to do. It's like my church tax. It's just, here's what I do. No, giving is an act of grace where people are going to be helped and people are going to hear the good news of Jesus. You are bringing grace to people through your giving. We see giving is generosity. Notice in verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So here are these churches in Macedonia, which are north of Corinth. So like Philippi, Thessalonica, they're, they're giving and they're, they're a wealth of generosity. But notice what it came from. It came from affliction. So there's a hard time. Inflation's happening. And uh, man, all of a sudden my money doesn't go as far, so we're feeling a squeeze. We're, we're, we're broke now, we're in poverty, and their poverty welled up to a wealth of generosity. Now, does anybody think that sounds really backwards? Like you would think their, their riches welled up to, well, generosity. 
but it was actually their, their poverty when they didn't have, when they had deep needs of others and they had needs themselves. You know what they did? They kept giving. They kept giving because they knew there were a need. So what we're going to see is in their giving, God is actually behind it. God is actually feeling it. He is supplying and enabling their giving as they're giving in faith. So notice, they're, they're giving in their poverty. It's welling up in a wealth of generosity. Verse 3 says this, For they gave according to their means. So that means that they did their budget, and they figured out, hey, here's the bills, here's food, here's, growth, here's the stuff. We've got this much left over. So let's, instead of saving all of that, let's invest it in others. Let's give it away to others. So that was according to their means. And, and some of you are very good at giving according to your means. You're, you're adding it up, you're making sure you've got, and then what you have left over, you're giving, and it's, it might hurt a bit, but it's also very comfortable. But notice what he goes on to say. As I can testify, and beyond their means. What does that mean? That means uh, it didn't make sense. Like if they would have taken this to their accountant and said, hey, we're thinking about giving this much to the cause. What do you think? Um, you'll go broke. You can't give that much. Okay, we want to give that much. Let me write that check. But that check won't cash. Let me write it. They're giving a, above what they have. Beyond their means is what this early church was giving of their own accord. In other words, we're not forcing them. They're just doing it. Listen to this in verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They are actually begging the apostles and the pastors, can we please help? And the pastors are like, well, you're broke. I know, but can we just help? Because they're so overwhelmed by the needs around them that they made sacrifices. They gave according to their means and also beyond their means to help other believers in Christ. This is a generosity that's welling up from the gospel. But it's not only that the early church gave to meet physical needs. Like, hey, some brothers and sisters, they're, they're hurting, they're hungry, they need food. Paul actually wrote to some churches needing support as a missionary to go take the gospel to Spain. He actually wrote a small letter. It's called Romans. And he sent it to the church in Rome. And it's quite a long letter. And all the way in like the 15th chapter, he says, oh, and by the way, I need some money to go to Spain. That's why I've written you this letter so I can kick the gospel somewhere else. So the early church, they gave to meet needs. They gave for the sake of getting the gospel to as many places as possible. So where does, starting, where does giving begin? Well, we're going to see it doesn't begin in your wallet. It begins in your heart. It begins with you. That giving actually begins with you, not money. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 5 says this, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Notice that. Why were they so extravagant in giving? Why did they give according to their means and also beyond their means? Well, here's what happened. They first gave themselves to God. That here's a church that says, God, you own us. We are giving ourselves to you. And see, when you give yourself to God, that means God has everything you have. Like, it's this idea of, I'm not an owner of my stuff, I'm a steward of my stuff. God actually owns everything. Like, he says in the Bible, he owns the heavens and the earth. He owns everything, he owns everything you have, he owns everything in your wallet, and guess what, when you die, he'll redistribute it to somebody else. You can't take it with you. It's all his. So when you give yourself first to God, you're saying, God, I'm yours, and you own everything I have, I'm a steward 
of all that you've given me, so how can I best use this for your namesake? Notice, when they gave themselves first to God, what did they do next? According to God's will, they then gave themselves to others. They were able to give away some of the things they had because they're first the Lord's, and then because they are the Lord's, now they belong to other people. They were generous with all that they had. So he's talking about these churches in Macedonia, and he's talking to the Corinthians. He's reminding them of other believers who are very generous, and now he's going to try to convince them to continue to be generous because it seems to be that the church in Corinth, they had stopped their regular giving to this cause, and Paul wants them to start it back up. Notice with me in verse 6. Accordingly, so according to what these churches are doing, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So I say, accordingly, hey, that thing you started, Titus is coming to remind you, you started to give, now you've slacked off, how about you start it again? How about you start giving again to the generosity to take care of the needs of the saints? And then he tells them something. He says, I actually want you to excel in giving. I mean, notice that idea of excelling. Like, you should excel in everything. Now we think these are normal Christian things we should excel in, like faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, love. Like, we all know we should be growing in those things. We should be more loving. We should be more kind with our words. We should be growing in knowledge, growing in holiness. Those are things we know we should be growing. That's called sanctification. We're like Adam. We're being made more like Jesus. We grow in those things. But how many of us have thought we're also supposed to be growing in giving? He says, you need to excel in this act of grace also. What's the act of grace? It's giving out of what you have to support what others need and the advancement of the gospel. He says, grow in it, get better at it, excel in it. So for all of, all of us this morning, we need to ask the question, how can I grow this morning in the act of grace called giving? Maybe for some of you, you've never given anything to the local church. Well, maybe this morning would be just give something. Just give a dollar. Just give a little bit. Say, God, I'm going to give a little bit because I want to participate in all the work that's happening around me. Maybe for you, you're a regular giver, but you know, like, it's really comfortable. And what would it look like to be a little bit more of a sacrificial giver? How could you just grow a little bit in your giving this morning? Maybe some of you are extravagant givers, but you realize, you know what? I love that I give, and I get so much joy out of giving. I want to give even more. What does it look like to grow and excel in giving this morning? This is not preacher talking. This is Paul telling the church to excel in giving. This is God communicating to us. What does it look like for us to grow this morning in our own giving? And so how do you convince a people to give? Well, Paul uses an example. And the example is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pretty good example. Notice what he says in verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also be genuine. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's his example of why you should give. 
hey, why should you give? Because Jesus gave himself. Like he's the ultimate gift. And notice Jesus, he was completely rich. God's own son in heaven, created the cosmos, owns the cosmos. You know what he did? He humbled himself and became poor. He emptied himself for our sake so that we who are poor could become rich. We could inherit the kingdom. We could live with him forever. So what's the correlation? Hey, for some of us, we are going to have to lose a little of our riches so that by our poverty, others can have. So that through our sacrifice, others can get and others can hear the good news of Jesus. See, our giving is fueled by Jesus giving himself for us. Like it's gospel giving. It's not law, hey, give 10%. No, it's Jesus gave himself for you. So now in light of that, think about what you might give back to him for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. So his great example is Jesus. But it's not just the example of Jesus. There's also benefits in giving. Like there's benefits to you in giving. I don't know about you, but I love benefits when I spend money. Like, that's why I have a Southwest credit card. Because when I use my Southwest credit card enough, you know what I get? I get a free flight somewhere. And it's awesome. Like, some of you, you have, like, various cards for various things. And when you go to a certain place, like, oh, Marshall's? No, nope, I got to get the Marshall card out. I'm in TJ Maxx. Hold on. Put the TJ Maxx card. We got to swipe the right cards because as you swipe, as you buy, guess what? Benefits. Ching, ching. Now I get to get something for free. Like, we love that. Like, what's in your wallet, right? It matters what credit card we have, what we use, what we like. And so sometimes buying actually benefits us. Well, Paul's going to say, guess what? Giving, it also benefits you. Notice what it says in verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. Giving. Giving some of the hard-earned money that you have made, giving some of it away actually benefits you. Well, how in the world does it benefit you? Well, he's going to go on and explain how it benefits you. He says, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desired to do it. So now finish doing it as well. So again, he's trying to get them to give what they have promised so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but that is a matter of fairness. Listen to this in verse 14. Your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your need. That there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever, whoever gathered little had no lack. So there is benefit when the body of Christ gives. When there's regular giving, because here's what giving does. When, when you have abundance, when you have leftover, when you have enough to give, Guess what? Someone who doesn't have abundant, someone who is poor, someone who can't make ends meet, your abundance supplies their need. And then guess what? A year or two down the road when your supply runs out and now you have a deep need, you know what? Someone else's abundance supplies your need. And I get to see this every single day in the life of our Baptist church. It is amazing just to see how this practically works. I mean, first of all, just for our community, 
Um, every month we have a financial committee that meets together, and there are people who come to that meeting, and we give something between two and $3,000 every single month just out to the community. People that have light bills and electric bills and um, need rent paid and food, we, we give that. We have a food pantry that you supply, that you stock, so that people can go absolutely free anytime they want and get food um, so that they can eat. So it's just like one way that your abundance supplies real needs. But then when there's a need in the body of Christ, like a member of our church has a need, it's not the financial committee, it's our deacons who take care of that. And when somebody has a need in the body of Christ, it basically gets met. Like I can't think of one example of a need that hasn't been met. Like it's unbelievable how you guys care for one another. Through your abundance, every week you get to meet needs of people in this body and just by circumstance that you might even not know, there might be a time in a year or two when you need that exact same assistance. And guess what? The deacons will be here to serve you as well. It is phenomenal. I mean, just this week, police officer called the church and said, hey, it's, it's really cold. And uh, there's, a, there's a lady, she's um, a single lady. She's a double amputee. And uh, the place she's staying at doesn't have heat. And she might freeze to death. Is there anything you guys could do? And what we're really needing is help with a, a motel bill for about a, a week or two. And you know what we're able to say? No, sorry, we don't have any money. No, that's not what we said, right? We said, of course, like, yes, put her up. We love her. Let her know that. Let us know what we can do. We were able, through your abundance, to put this lady up. And she's probably alive because you gave. And that's just one example of a hundred this week. Like it's all the time. People come to the office, have a need, and through our abundance, we get to meet so many needs. There is so much benefit. You're not just clicking a button. You're not just giving some money. You're not just putting it up. That actually does real things and meets real needs. And you should know that there is a benefit to that, that you're serving people and people are able to serve you. So Give. Because we do so many things with what you give. Uh, verses 16 through chapter 9, verse 5. Basically, Paul's working out how Titus is going to deliver it, how Paul's going to pick it up. And then in verse 9, or I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 6, we see this joyful giving, which is kind of our key passage. Here's what it says. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he's saying, here, here's kind of the deal. Here's the point. I'm going to use a farm illustration. Um, if you sow sparingly, guess what? You're going to reap sparingly. Like if you're a farmer and you just put like a few seeds out, because you're like, man, that's a lot of money. Seed costs some money. I'm just going to put a little bit. Then you're going to have a little harvest. Like only a few things are going to grow. But if you're like, seed's expensive, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice. I'm going to put it out. I'm going to spread a lot of seed on the ground. Guess what? Then you're going to have a greater harvest. The more you sow, the more you reap. That's usually a bad thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. And so he's saying the act of giving, the more you give, the more harvest is going to be. So as a church, the more we give, the more harvest we see. Personally, the more you give, the more harvest you're going to get to see as we build the kingdom of God through the grace of God. And so then he's doing a little work with us. So here's personally, he says this. Each one, so that's like each one, one of us, each one must give how? A certain amount, 10%, 20%. No, notice what it says. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctant or under compulsion. So it's not because you have to. It's not like, man, I, I, I hate giving. Fine, I'll do it. No, it's not reluctant. It's not because you have to. It's because you want to. It's because your heart is inside. I love the mission. I love the gospel. I want to help people. I want to do good with what I have been given. And then it says this, for God loves a cheerful giver. That when you give, when you make the decision to give, God smiles. God loves it when his church doesn't hoard all of their things, but instead gives some of them away so that others can be blessed and the gospel can go forth. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but man, I don't have much seed to sow, and I don't know, I think I need to keep it all. Well, Paul's going to remind them that um, they don't own the seed, and they don't supply the seed. Actually, God does. And so notice what we see in verse 8. I love this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So notice, God is able, God is the one who is giving to the poor through our giving. And then notice verse 10, he who supplies seed, who's that? That's God. You're not the supplier of the seed, God is, to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanks to God. So he's saying, as you give, as you spread seed, as you put money in the plate, as you go online and give, it's actually God that's supplying that seed. God is the one who has the storehouse. You have your little sack. God's got more. It's as we sow, it's going to be multiplied. As we sow, it will continue. So there's this faith act of, I don't know that I should give, but if I give, God is more than likely going to give me more so I can keep giving more away. It's this principle of God is the one who has the seed. And I've seen this time and time again. I've seen guys write checks for VBS offering that I cannot even imagine looking at it. Only to hear that three weeks later, that exact amount was the exact amount they had left over from a certain deal they just made. Like it's unbelievable to see this, this crazy act of crazy faith when you don't have what you have and then all of a sudden when you make that crazy act for a good cause, it then gets multiplied and comes back so that you can do more good with that over and over again. So in our giving, it is not you that's just giving your stuff. God is supplying the seed that you sow. So as we give, God's got the storehouse. We've got a sack and we're so afraid to get rid of our sack because the sack is all we have. But just know, God has the storehouse. There is more seed to be had. And so we give in faith, knowing that God is the one who ultimately supplies. And then we see that really giving, it's connected to the gospel. Like our belief in the gospel fuels our giving. Notice verse 13, it says this. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because... So notice that act of glorifying God. That your giving is going to create worship in other people. That as you give, people will be helped and they'll thank God. As you give, people will hear the good news and they will commit their lives to Christ and they will worship God. So giving actually is as a way of fueling worship. And so we see it's also connected to the gospel. They will glorify God. Why are they glorifying God? 
because your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Notice, your submission to what? To giving, to coming under God's authority and saying, okay, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to give. I'm going to submit to the act of giving. What is that submission connected to? It's connected to your confession of the gospel. In other words, your belief in who Jesus is, creator of the universe, who became a man to die in your place and rise again, and is seated in the, at the right hand of his Father, and who's coming back to bring his kingdom. Your belief in him, your belief in confessing him as Lord, fuels your giving. In other words, when you give, you're believing the gospel. You're saying yes to Jesus. I believe you own everything, and I believe you're my Lord, so I'm going to give because I want more people to help, and I want more people to hear about you. So I'm going to give so that those things can happen. So our giving is connected to our confession, our confession that Jesus is Lord. He's also Lord of our wallets. He's Lord of our bank accounts. So we're going to bring all of that under his lordship. And then notice it says this, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Listen to verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So he's talking about giving, all those gifts that they're giving to help other people, to get the gospel at all places. And then he says, let's just, let's just take a moment and thank God for his gift, his inexpressible gift. What is that? Well, it's his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus gave Christ for us. So the application is we get to mirror that. We get in worship to display that by the way we give back to him in worship and in love for others and to support the mission that he's given us. So because God is a giver, we get to give. Giving reflects God who gives us Jesus in the gospel. So what does the Bible say about money? Old Testament, how much do you need to give? 10 to 20 percent. New Testament, it's a pattern, it's practiced. And then in the new, right now, it seems it'll be expected for us to continue to give for those same purposes. So what I want to do in the remainder of our time is to answer four questions. The four questions are this, how much should you give Number two, what does your giving pay for? In other words, what do we do with your money at Hardin Baptist Church? Number three, how do you give to Hardin Baptist Church? And number four, why in the world should you give? So the first one, let's deal with that. How much should you give? Some of you would love a number. Some of you would love for me to say 10%, boom, give that and you're faithful. The, the law is just easier like the law is comforting, like give me the rule, I'll follow it, and then I'll go live my life. But we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. And grace is a little different. Grace says um, there's not a hard, fast rule, there's not a tax that we're going to take out of your direct deposit. No, it's about a matter of your heart. It's for you to decide between you and the Lord how much does grace in your life require you to give. In other words, how much should you give? I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. But God does. And if you seek him, God will make sure that you know 
what giving looks like for you. And giving might change in different seasons, in different times, different circumstances. I don't know how much you should give. Old Testament, 10 to 20%. New Testament, we see generous giving. Like in, in Acts 2, some of the people sold all that they had and just put it in a bucket and said, just spread it all out. Some of you are like, do I have to do that? I'm not saying, but if God compels you to do that. Some people sold land, they sold stuff because they knew there are needs and the gospel needs to go forth. So they were radical in their giving. So we have New Testament examples of people going above, way above 10%. This, this pattern of just giving beyond their means. So now, how should we give? Well, give according to the gospel. Give according to the grace in your life. As we saw, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, I think is a good verse for you to wrestle with, to think about how much you should give. So let's just think about the verse again. It says this, each one must decide in his own heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you should decide in your heart how much the Lord wants you to give. And if you're like, man, I have no idea, then I, I personally, if I was counseling you, I would say, well, maybe start with 10% and just grow from there. Like if you're like, I, I'm clueless. Well, maybe start with 10. That seems like the Old Testament, just like bottom line. And then grow from there. Try, try to get more. Try to get 11. Try to get 12. Try, try to increase. Because we see Paul telling us to excel in our giving. So start at 10 and grow it. Maybe you're like, there's no way I give 10%. We'll give 1%. Give a half percent. Give a dollar. Like it's not how much you give. It's how much of you is in the gift. I mean, think about the widow might. You know that parable? Like all these guys are giving just buttloads of money and they're all smiling. Everybody look at me and this little widow comes in and drops like a penny and Jesus says she gave more than anybody else. And everybody's like, um, no, she didn't. She gave a penny. Yeah, she gave everything she had. So it's actually more to God. See, God doesn't need your money. He needs you. He needs your heart. And your heart is often connected to your money. So that's a way to worship him. So it's a personal decision for you. How much are you going to give? That is for you to decide. Some of you have the gift of giving. Romans chapter 12 verse 8 says this, if your gift is giving, then give generously. Some of you have the gift of giving. So for you, 10% would not be enough. 50% would not be enough. 90% would be about right for some of you. Just reverse tithe. I'll give away 90 and keep 10. If you have the gift of giving, that's what you love and that's what you do, the sky's the limit under grace to how much the Lord might call you to give for the sake of his gospel among the nations. So how much should you give? I don't know. That's when you and the Lord decide in your heart and just give something. Start with a dollar. Start with a percent. Start with 10%. Start somewhere and just try to excel in the act of giving. Number two, what does your money do? Like when you give to Harden, what does it look like? How do we spend your money? I think you should know that. How are we sowing the seed that you're giving? So just look at 2023, you gave almost $2.5 million as a church through the regular giving. That's pretty awesome. Like that's a giving church. So what do we do with that? 39% of that went to pay staff and employees. We have 29 staff and employees of this church that include pastors, counselors, um, custodians, uh, all sorts of ministry uh, directors and leaders. So there's 29 of those that you pay and they like to eat. So thank you for giving because it helps them uh, to do those things. So 39%. If you Google like 
Average expense on um, staff of a church, it's usually between uh, 50 and 60. So we're actually uh, doing pretty good there. We spend 19% of our budget on missions directly. So missions outside of Harden, Brazil, and Nicaragua, and all those things that we do in all those places, 19% of your giving goes directly to missions. Almost 700,000 just to missions. But then we have 10% we give to the KBC, which also in the SBC, which is the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, church planting. So really, if you put those two together, we give about 29% of our, of your giving goes towards missions, which I'm like super proud about. Like that's, that's actually kind of unbelievable because you're an unbelievable church who loves missions. So you should smile about that if you're a giver, that you're giving that much to missions just by online giving or putting offerings uh, in, in the plate. 15% goes to facilities and just normal bills, like the heat's on today, the lights are on. We have all sorts of expenses. We just put a new high school room and middle school room in the back here. Those cost money, so 15% of you go to all of those type things. 6% is operating cost. Um, buying flowers, people who are sick, um, uh, donuts in the foyer, all the things operating that's just run-of-the-mill stuff that we have to do, 6% goes to that. Um, 6% goes to department expenses like kids, youth, college. So we took uh, 100 people to Snowcross. You paid for half of that trip so that kids could hear about biblical sexuality and the need to wait for marriage, which we think is uh, pretty important. VBS, all those things come out of that. 3% is for local outreach, just all the things that happen locally that we give to and help in. And then 2% is for tech and music, like live streams happening right now, and it's kind of expensive. And all this sound equipment, it's kind of expensive. So 2% of your giving goes towards that. So that's how we spend the giving that you give. So hopefully you think, well, I think Harden's doing a decent job at the gifts that I'm giving. I think they're missionally minded. I think we're trying to lean into the gospel and helping people and going places and doing things. So maybe seeing that, um, just a note, uh, in your giving, we're able to support 21 missionaries outside of our church. That's pretty crazy, right? Like 21 people. We have nine missionaries in Brazil. Uh, man, if I had time, I'd love to go through each one of these. We put them in the Middle East, in Nicaragua, in Malawi, in Arizona, in Indonesia. Like all sorts of different places that through your giving and campuses on different places all throughout. There's so many people that you're directly helping because you are giving. It's just amazing. Alan and uh, Tina Haley are getting to go and build uh, houses for, uh, uh, for ladies who are coming out of sex trafficking and need a place to stay through eight days of hope, and you are helping. There are missionaries that go and build those places. There's so many things that you are doing with your money. It's incredible. And so now that you've seen a little bit of um, what it goes to, the real question is, well, not the real question, one of the other questions is, how do you give? We can give online or in person. So in person, you drop your offering in the buckets on your way out, either with an envelope or cash. You can also give online, and we encourage online giving. Um, it's really been easy and successful for us. You can go to hardenbaptist.org slash give. This is our give page. If you click give now, it'll go to uh, the first page on the left. 
That's got a logo. You put the amount you want, and then you give once or give multiple times. You can give every week, every two weeks, every month. So you decide, here's how much the Lord's given me. What does it look like to give faithfully? And you make that, and then you can set as reoccurring. You can give uh, kind of weekly, however you want to give. And then on the other side, you fill in your credit card or your bank account information. If you do use your routing number, it saves a little bit on fees. So more of your money goes directly towards the mission. So we would encourage that if you can. Uh, for me and my wife, this has been life-changing because I remember we used to bring checks and write them, and then you missed a few Sundays, and you missed a few checks, and you're like, how do I make up? It's just, man, we've committed, we're in, the Lord gets the first, and uh, it's just, we really, really like that, so I would encourage you uh, to give. If you need help with that, Sandy King, our financial secretary, is here this morning. She's in the foyer to the left or to the right. We have a team of people with computers. They would love to help you get, him, uh, get on line offering, all that. If you need help, you can also just uh, go to the website yourself. It, it's pretty easy to navigate, but if you need help, they're here for you. If you want to change your offering or have questions, info at hardenbaptist.org is an easy way to get us. Also, just call the church office. We have a fantastic staff that would love to help you. So lastly, why give? Hopefully we've dealt with this, but it's to worship God, love people, and support the mission. Like, that's why you give. And I do just want to put a seed in your mind to say, we do have dreams as a church. We have, we have a lot of dreams, and dreams require money. So one dream is that we would send more and go more. Like, we want to send more people through our church to plant churches and to be missionaries, and we want to go more places as mission teams. We'd love to do that. We just don't have enough in the bank to do that. So that's our dream. So if you give more, more people can go. We also have a dream of more seating and more meeting spaces. So I don't know if you know this, but our college meets downtown in our old facility. And so they go there and then they come here. And our youth on Wednesday nights go there and then come here. And it's, it's just a little taxing. And we don't have the best facilities for them. We would love, big dream, to turn this right here into an awesome college and youth space. That would just be like unbelievable. And then we would love to build a sanctuary off of here that would fit all of us. Because if you look around, we're almost packed out. And guess what? There's two other services that are almost packed out. So it'd be kind of cool to have a little more space where your neighbor wouldn't feel packed out when they came. So we've got dreams. We need a lot more small group space, a lot more room for those on Wednesday nights. We're completely out. People been in closets and like all sorts of spaces. So we have dreams that we would love to see happen. But guess what? Dreams take, well, money. And if you give more, man, we're praying that the Lord would meet some of these dreams and some of these dreams would come reality. Another dream is more hiring and more ministering. That's why we're putting John Kyle up to you to vote today on whether to hire him or not. We need more people to help in the mission that God has given us. But guess what? That also requires more giving, more money. And I want to say you are a phenomenal church of giving. Just come to VBS and look at the offering. It's like, what? It's crazy, right? You do so good at giving. And so the question is, how can you excel just a little bit in that? Maybe for some you give none. Well, could you give a little? Maybe you give a little. Could you give a little more? Maybe you give a lot. Could you give a little bit more of a lot? Because we really believe God's given us a mission to fulfill. You know, I told you, I hate listening to the World Podcast in December. I almost turn it off, except for this December. I actually called Katie and I said, Katie, I want you to get online and I want you to give X amount to the World and Everything That Podcast. You know why? Because I love what they do. And I love their mission, and I realize they've got cost. And I'm not going to mooch anymore. I'm not going to loaf on their couch anymore. I'm going to start paying some of the bills because I love what they're doing. Maybe for you this morning is I love what Harden is doing, and I want to contribute. We've got ways for you to do that. So we're going we're gonna to have a, a song of worship. 
uh, that opened the eyes of my heart. The band's going to come back up. And we've got about four minutes for you just to set and think and sing and process. And this is just your space to respond. So when you think about responding, um, one of the ways would be to, to give. Maybe the Lord has stirred in your heart this morning to give X amount or start giving more X amount. You can easily just during this worship song, get on your phone and explore online giving. After service, you can go on the foyer and talk to our team about online giving. You can give generously as you leave. However the Lord is leading you, take this song and just think about how the Lord might move in your heart to give. We also, if you go to our website, Hard Maps Order, we have Connect and Serve. We only had seven of you last week that signed up to serve. We need more servants. Maybe if you want to serve, click that. Sign up to serve. Respond how the Lord would have you respond during this time. I'm going to pray and then you respond. Father, we love you so much. I pray that right now that we would see our generosity, our giving is connected to the gospel. So remind us of the gospel and help us think about what does it look like to excel in giving. Let us look into our hearts and ask, how much should we give for the sake of the mission? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can remain seated or you can stand up if you want to and worship with us as we have a song of response. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord. But to see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy You are holy of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of you, Lord. to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.